Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everybody, and welcome in to Commanding the Huddle. I am your host, Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network. Washington Commanders 3-4, and four. Indianapolis Colts 3-3-1. Three, three, and one. As we head into week eight already of the NFL regular season, happy you guys are here and tuned in. We're going to dive into the Indianapolis Colts, who we know made some changes this week. It starts at quarterback with Matt Ryan now benched for the rest of the season with quarterback Sam Ellinger, quarterback that they took out of Texas on day three last year. We're going to get into the offense. We're going to get in to the Colts' defense. They should get back linebacker Shaquille Leonard this week. It's going to be a battle in Indianapolis. And the biggest thing, the overarching theme this week for Washington is getting off nearly a 30-year Schneid. Washington has not beaten Indianapolis in Indianapolis since 1994. 1994 since Washington went into Indianapolis and beat the Colts. Burgundy and Gold, if you were wondering then, were led by Gus Farratt, Ricky Irvin's running the ball on the ground, and Henry Ellard on the outside at a 100-yard day. Right behind him was Desmond Howard in the Burgundy and Gold that day in Indianapolis in 1994. That's a long time ago. Long time ago. For me, I wasn't even born yet in 1994. So this is a humongous week, not just to get back to 500 football, not to just win your third game in a row, not to beat a team right now that's at 500, including their tie that they have, a team that's looking for sparks in the Colts, in Sam Ellinger. Jonathan Taylor's expected to be healthy this week. He will be back. They got to start playing football. They got to keep up with the Titans, who are now 4-2 and the leaders of the NFC, excuse me, the AFC South. This is a huge week. Huge week. So let's start on the offensive side of the ball with the Colts. A team that's not going to blow anybody out of the water. This is a team, a lot like the Titans, to where they want to get Taylor going. And if they can't, it's going to be a long day for him. Now you look at Sam Ellinger. Has not thrown an NFL pass in his career. This is his second year in the league. Played in three games last year. But it was just as a sub-package guy that came in and ran it a few times. That's it. Has never thrown an NFL pass. But you look at his skill set at Texas, and really, he's a lot like Taylor Heineke. He's very crafty. He's more mobile than you think, and that people give him credit for. He is athletic. He doesn't have crazy amount of arm talent by any means. We're going to get to the skill of guys on the outside that he has at his disposal and who they're going to look to target, a, a skills group that resembles an NBA starting lineup. I will get to that, which is how big they are on the outside and vertically imposing. But Sam Ellinger is not a world beater, and this is his, going to be his first week, the full reins of the offense in the NFL, even though in his second year. He's a backup quarterback that is going to be tested. This is a front five that is 28th in the NFL in allowing sacks per game at 3.4, same as Washington. They're neck and neck. Washington's allowed 3.4 sacks a game as well. His mobility, just like Heineke's has in D.C., will help. Like it did last week, where, where Washington only allowed one sack to Kingsley and Igbare in that Green Bay, Green Bay win. 
But now you got a new face under center, and they're going to want to get him going early. Rhythm throws over the middle of the field. Get him outside of the pocket where he's comfortable. He will make plays. He will make plays. We've seen Washington be accustomed to allowing those off-script plays where things break down in the back end, where you're getting into the three-and-a-half, four-and-a-half second portion of the offensive play, and things start to break down. Quarterbacks are outside the pocket. Receivers are, you know, you're playing a lot of that sandlot ball where you're, where you're drawing plays in the dirt and just making things happen. Sam Ellinger at Texas did that. Was a starter for four years in Austin. Led them to a ton of success. Now, wasn't the success that we've seen from Texas back in the past with Vince Young. It was none of that. With, with Cedric Benson running the rock. None of that. But Texas, as we know, is a program that produces NFL talent every single year. And he can play some football. And he is in the NFL for a reason. And I talk about that all the time. Everybody's in the NFL for a reason. Matt Ryan wasn't their guy. Who would have thunk it? This is their third straight year of kind of going through that NFL veteran jag, you know, bridgeway, if you will. It was Matt Ryan this year. It was Carson Wentz the year prior. Phillip Rivers the year prior to that, that Jacoby Brissett. It has not been good since Andrew Luck surprisingly retired nearly a handful of years ago. It's been ugly. And now it's Sam Ellinger's turn as the carousel con- continues to turn in Indianapolis at quarterback for them. So let's get into the skill positions. Jonathan Taylor at running back, backed up by Naheem Hines, who likes to do a little bit of what J.D. McKissick offers. Very athletic, thicker than J.D., but will come on the field on third downs and offer you some value in the passing game. But Jonathan Taylor is where it starts for Indianapolis. He is someone that is a top three, if not a the top back in the NFL. He does everything. He can run inside the tackles. He can run outside the tackles. He was someone that was overlooked during the draft process. A guy that didn't come off the board until day two back in 2020, which was crazy considering the success that he had as a Wisconsin Badger and the history and prestige of Wisconsin's backs in history. Guys that come out and they're just ready to play. They got another one coming out next year in Braylon Allen that we'll get to down the road and we'll talk about. But for Jonathan Taylor in this Colts offense, everything starts with him. If they can get him going behind an offensive line that is not a world beater by any means. They're not an above average offensive line. They're about average to a little bit below average. Led by Quentin Nelson, who plays that left guard spot, first rounder 2018 out of Notre Dame. That is one of the top guards in the league. And my opinion may go down as one of the top guards ever to, to suit up. Absolutely dominant within the interior. It doesn't matter if you ask him to move vertical in the run game or set. In his past sets, he's absolutely dominant and has been since he first stepped foot on NFL-branded turf for that Colts team. He is arguably a face of the franchise right alongside Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman Jr. on the outside, who we'll get to in just a second. But everything starts with Jonathan Taylor. So again, another week, just like it was last week with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, stopping the Titans with Derrick Henry. It's Deron Payne, it's Jonathan Allen, it's Montez Sweat. Those are your three core guys within the middle that are going to have to face Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly at center, and Matt Pryor at right guard. To where outside of Nelson, I believe that Washington has a, a massive advantage within the interior. We heard this week, again, that Washington may be tinkering or throwing around Deron Payne's name in trades. I haven't heard anything recently as far as them throwing around his name at the deadline. I was talking to a Washington scout yesterday that was in Nashville yesterday, watch, last week watching the Colts, and was talking about how dominant Washington's front five, they, for, excuse me, front four could be this week against Indianapolis's front five, and, and, and nothing came up as of right now 
with trading a guy like Deron Payne, who's been playing his ass off, playing his backside off so far this season. Jonathan Allen, we've seen last year, got paid. Deron Payne wants his money. Montez Sweat wants his money. Whether it's in D.C. or not, the guys have played well up front. And we heard that Chase Young may practice here in the next coming weeks. We will see. We know that Washington's been playing the long road with him. Being cautious with that injury, you want to be careful with the ACL. It's not about just this year. Because Washington right now is 3-4. and four. They're not 5-2. and two. They're not 6-1. and one. So this is a scenario to where with Chase Young, we want him back, of course. When 99's on the field, he provides a dynamic that really no defensive lineman on Washington's roster offers right now, especially coming off that edge. Montez Sweat's been great, but Chase Young, a line opposite of him, opens up everything for everybody within the, in the interior, especially with Allen and Payne and getting those one-on-one matchups instead of having to face those duo blockers where guys are, are placing their centers and left guard or center and right guard, doubling guys within the interior. So up front, left tackle to right tackle, Dennis Kelly mentioned Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly. Matt Pryor is a guy that we've you guys should be familiar with as a name that was in Philadelphia that played a little bit of that uh, guard and tackle spot. He's not good. And this guy that's still not good for that front five, but he will align at right guard and at right tackle is Braden Smith, a second rounder in 2018. That is fine. He's average. He's had his flashes of greatness and he's had his flashes of just completely abysmal on the outside. But he will line at right tackle facing guys like F.A. Obata, Casey Tuhill, Shaka Tony, James Smith-Williams. We'll see who rotates as obviously Montez Sweat works primarily over that left tackle. So he'll be working over Dennis Kelly for primarily, primarily throughout the afternoon. At skill, the skill positions, this is where it gets kind of fun with Indianapolis because their size is ridiculous. Michael Pittman, kid they took out of USC in 2020, is their wide receiver one, and he is a very good wide receiver one. Um, he was someone out of USC that is vertically imposing. He will go up, has that aerial ability, very, very, very strong hands. He is not a body catcher. He is a hands catcher. I talk a little about that with Terry McLaurin, where I'd like to see him be a little bit more of a hands catcher. He likes to catch it with his body a little bit, have that basket catching sometimes, especially when he gets in the air. I want him to see a little bit more of the hands catcher. Michael Pittman is that. 6'3", big, can run every route in the book. He's very physical on the outside in the run game, which they need him to be. Obviously, with, with Jonathan Taylor running the rock 25, 35 times a game, potentially. Alec Pierce, kid they took out of Cincinnati. I got live eyes on him at the Senior Bowl. Obviously, we saw his success last year as Cincinnati earned their ticket to the college football playoff. He was Desmond Ritter's top target for the Bearcats. He's been a good player. He's been one of the top rookie wideouts in football. We've talked a lot about the success of Jahan Dotson, who right now, I don't, I'm not sure if he'll play this week. He did not practice on Wednesday. Again, this is being recorded on Thursday morning, so we haven't gotten the practice report for Thursday just yet. However, you know, we talked about Jahan and we talked about Garrett Wilson. We've talked about George Pickens and Chris Olave, New Orleans. Alec Pierce has, has flown under the radar for his success and someone, again, that works on the outside in the run game, which they need him to. Big, physical, strong, and then he can rise up. Has a, an outstanding vertical, whether he's within the red zone, he's within the 20s, he can run every route in the book. Now, he's not perfect by any means. They took him in the second round, so they expect him to be that a high-level wide receiver too. And that's what he's been alongside Paris Campbell, who's really the only normal-sized wide receiver, if you will, within this Colts roster. You look at Pittman, 6'3", 6'4". Pierce, same thing. Mike Strachan is a guy that they took in the seventh round last year that they had high hopes for. A guy out of D2 College of Charleston. Big physical freak. Like a first 
off the bus type of guy in a t-shirt and shorts that you're going to take first in a pickup game. But he hasn't really done much at all in his first two seasons in the NFL. Just more of a guy that looks good on the sideline in a jersey. And then Paris Campbell, he's really had a, a revelation this year. There's been a guy that has been trying to, to work into a massive role for multiple seasons. A guy that took out Ohio State in the second round in 2019. Plays in the slot and a lot like Curtis Samuel. Another Ohio State guy. And very, very similar skill sets. Quick within the short areas, has good hands, get the ball in their hands, and allow them to work after the catch. Paris Campbell's had his best season so far as a pro through the first seven weeks. He's been good for this Colts offense, and I expect him to be heavily targeted because I'm, I don't expect the Colts to target Pittman and Pierce, you know, 15, 25 yards down the field a ton this week. I expect it to be a lot of Jonathan Taylor. I expect it a lot in the short areas with Paris Campbell. And then here with the tight ends. Mo Ali Cox is their tight end one on their depth chart. A guy that I'm sure you in, in the DMV area are familiar with, with him playing basketball at VCU, where he was a standout for when Shaka Smart was the head coach down for the Rams. And now he's been in the league for, for a while and really carved out a nice niche for him in the NFL. He's not a dominant tight end by any means. He's not in the bucket of the George Kittles or Travis Kelsey's or Mark Andrews or Kyle Pitts's of the world. You know, heck, he's not even in the Logan Thomas bucket. Um, but he's someone that is big. Again, big, 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 big. You're going to see it a lot, and they're going to talk about it in the broadcast, how big this skill position is, skill position, excuse, excuse me, for the Colts are. They're massive. He is. He has NBA size at six foot six. He's huge. And then you got Kylan Granson, the kid they took in 2021 last year, has been their top tight end from a production standpoint. 17 catches. He has not gotten in the end zone just yet. Moelle Cox has two touchdowns. But really, who they like to target in the red zone comes to Jelani Woods, a rookie out of Virginia who is, <laughs> you want to talk about big. Again, this is, I just talked about Moali Cox, how big he is. Kylan Grant is, is six foot three. He, he's plenty big. Jelani Woods is six foot seven, 250 pounds. And he moves like someone that is six foot, 200 pounds. Uh, it's crazy to watch him move. You saw him at the combine. He was someone that rose a ton in the off-season process. He, it's absolutely dynamic to watch him move. Uh, it's really he's really a freak of nature and someone that we always talk about. You know what? These guys were built in a lab. Uh, Mo, uh, Jelani Woods is someone that looks like he's built in a lab. They took him in the third round. You know, it's kind of a crowded room for targets. You look on the outside with Pittman and Pierce and Campbell, and only so many you know, so many touches go to, to Jonathan Taylor. And then you got Moelle Cox has been in the building, and same thing with Kylan Granson. So. Jelani Woods right now only has six catches, but three of those catches have been touchdowns. So 50% of his receptions have been for touchdowns inside the red zone. So when they get down into that red area, hopefully, you know, they're not there too much this week and Washington can kind of showcase that bend, but don't break defense and force them to kick field goals. But having that six foot seven dynamic range, not just as that he's big, it doesn't matter how big you are. You still got to be able to separate and catch the football on the outside. But Washington doesn't have a ton of vertical height, right, in their secondary room. Benjamin St. Juice is their biggest corner at 6'3". William Jackson is big, but we're not going to see him again on the field. He's obviously on his way out, and he wants, you know, trying to search for greener pastures. But just remember, too, for William Jackson real quick, the other side of the hedge might be greener, right? But but so is the water bill, right? So... That's another thing for you guys to remember too, is 
with, with William Jackson and guys looking for other opportunities and always, you know, hey, change the scenery might might do it for me, change the atmosphere. But for William Jackson, which is really disappointing considering this week and the size that Indianapolis has, and you'd like to see him on the field, you know, the grass may be greener on the other side, but so is the water bill. All right, so just remember that when, when Washington aligns with these big targets that may cause them issues this week. Rashad Wild Goose in the slot is not big. Kendall Fuller is not big. You look at the safeties. Bobby McCain, not six foot. Derek Forrest, not the biggest guy in the world. Cam Curl, they're going to be tested this week. I would like to see Percy Butler. He's long and physical and rangy, can jump out of the gym. Would like to see him potentially cover some of these guys in the red zone. They're going to give them fits. If they get inside the 15, they get a fresh set of downs. And one side, it's Michael Pittman. The other side is Alec Pierce. And on one side of the formation, the line next to the tackles is Mo Ali Cox and Jelani Woods. I don't care who Sam Ellinger is as a passer. He's, I think he's absolutely fine as a passer. He's going to be below league average, but he can sling it around a little bit. Just throw it up to those guys in the end zone, and we see how dynamic tight ends can be for an offense over the middle of the field. Similarly to what Washington likes to do with Logan Thomas, and we even saw with Cole Turner last week, even though potentially he may not you know, play this week. He dealt with the con- concussion. He did not practice on Wednesday. It's not a good sign. But from a matchup perspective with Washington this week, Indianapolis has big physical targets. And they're going to have to be physical with these on the outside with these big guys and force them to separate and force Sam Ellinger to fit throws into tight windows. That's exactly what's going to happen. I don't want to see any of the soft shoe coverage where I don't care if they're in man, but if you're in man, get within two to three yards of line of scrimmage, not five. Free releases, I hate free releases at the NFL level. You allow guys to dictate how to leverage corners inside and out. I don't like that. So for this week with Washington, Michael Pittman's going to be a handful. Alec Pierce is a heck of a talent that they took again in the second round this year. They're going to have their hands full. And then, of course, you're going to have to put enough guys in the box to counter Jonathan Taylor. This isn't the Chiefs. This isn't the Bills. These aren't the high-flying offenses that we've seen the tier one offenses in the NFL, but this is a team when everything is clicking that they will be able to score points. They've won two of their last three games. They lost their last game against the Titans where really everything started to come unhinged with Matt Ryan. But again, they've won two of their last three games. Lost the, lost the Titans. The week prior, they beat the Jaguars at home. They scored 34 points. Week prior, they beat the Colts in Denver in overtime. So this is a team that, that can win games. So on, defensively, We'll switch over to the opposite side of the ball. They've been dealing with some injuries. Quiddy Pay, first rounder last year, the kid took, they took out of Michigan, will not play. This week's been stealing, still dealing with an injury. Up front, though, it, no world beaters except for DeForest Buckner, who is, again, big, massive, six foot six, can push the pocket, clog gaps in the run. Guys in the interior, Andrew Norwell, Tyler Larson, who I thought did a fine job last week for Washington, and that right guard, Sadiq Charles, who knows who's going to play. This week at right guard because Sadiq didn't play yesterday. That's something to watch. Up front, Grover Stewart, DeForest Buckner, Yannick, and Gakwe is a guy they traded for from the Las Vegas Raiders. Is someone that they that can flat out get after the passer. They do some unique things up front. They, they're very multiple in their defenses. What I mean by that is they'll show an even front, which means a four-man front, and they'll show an odd front. 
So they'll run a little bit of that 3-4. They'll even bring some guys down and show the bare front with three down linemen and two standing outside linebackers. So that's what I mean when I say they, they show multiple, uh, they, they run multiple defenses. They, they do a lot of different things. Odd fronts, even fronts, allow those linebackers to run around. If they get Shaquille Leonard back this week, that's going to be massive within their defense. He is one of the top linebackers in the league. The green dot within that defense when I say green dot, that means he's the guy that has the green sticker on the back of his helmet. That's the guy that relays the calls to the rest of the defense. He's massive within the middle of that defense, making all the calls and making really all the plays for that defense. When when guys are clogged up within the interior with, with DeForest Buckner, and when they have Quiddy Pay healthy, he's someone that's roaming sideline to sideline, making a ton of plays. And that's why he's become one of the best backers in the league as a guy that came out of a small school in South Carolina State just years ago. So, Behind him, Bobby Okariki is their weak side linebacker. And then on the outside, again, no world beaters. No one that really scares me. Um, again, I would love to see Jahan Dotson back this week. I think we're going to get Deami Brown back after missing the last few weeks with that groin. Um, was limited two weeks ago and then was out last week against Green Bay after we saw him really showcase himself against Tennessee. Um, he is someone that, you know, in, in, in Jahan, that really changes this offense when healthy. And same with Diami. Um, especially against this core on the outside, Stephon Gilmore for them is a big name, former defensive player of the year when he was with New England. It's not the same guy that he was with New England. Um, he's their left corner, right corner is Isaiah Rogers, a sixth rounder in 2020. Again, just an average to below average corner. Safeties are Rodney McLeod and Julian Blackman. They rotate a ton. At the third level, you'll see a lot of Rodney Thomas, a kid in the seventh round that they took out of Yale this past year. They drafted Nick Cross. And if that name's familiar to you guys, it's a kid out of Maryland. So a local kid that played for the Terps that they took, again, on day two and was someone that was expected for me, even when I submitted my votes for Defensive Player of the Year, was actually got a six, uh, a vote for the sixth best defensive player as a rookie uh, in the league for me this year. I actually got a vote from me, personally. I thought he was going to be extremely dynamic for the roof of this defense, um, but they've run into some, com- some communication mishaps and some lapses with him at the roof. It's been a lot of the kid Rodney Thomas from Yale being able to communicate everything from the roof down to the linebackers and down to that front three or front four, whatever they want to run up front that I just mentioned. Um, they draft uh, College free agent Dallas Flowers out of Pittsburgh State is a kid that they liked on special teams and, and someone that flashed in the preseason a ton. But again, this is not a, a corners room. Um, if it sounds like I'm reaching for positives here, it's it's because I am outside of Stephon Gilmore, who is obviously someone that is you know really uh, progressed into one of uh, corners that has been one of the best in football for a while. But again, he's not the same guy that he was. It's just kind of comes with age and you know opportunity on the outside to travel. He doesn't travel anymore. He stays on one side of the football field. Maybe they'd throw some unique looks to cover Terry McLaurin and bracket him. We've seen that a ton this year. Green Bay did a little bit last last week where they, hey, you know, they aligned Jair Alexander on the outside. They wanted to run that ISO uh, with him and they covered three looks that they wanted to show because they wanted to kind of slide over. We, we saw how much Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson were getting going on the, on the ground game. So they had to stack the box a little bit, which forced Green Bay to run ISO in man. With Terry McLaurin and J.R. Alexander on the outside, and we, we saw what happened. 37-yard hookup from Ter- from Taylor Heineke to Terry McLaurin, that touchdown in that game. And, and now this week, Stephon Gilmore and Isaiah Rogers as their primary corners, that don't scare me at all. 
and I hope Diami's back. I don't really expect too much from number two. You know, it was fun watching the Titans game and see him break out for that one game, but overall, you look back to last year and you look back to the early portions of this year, hasn't really done anything outside of those two plays. So you got to get, I want to see some consistency from Diami Brown if he is healthy this week because he could be that wide receiver three behind McLaurin and Curtis Samuel, who again has been dynamic each and every week. So that is their defense. Kenny Moore will play the nickel spot, someone that rotates inside and out. He's fine. He, I've said he's above average corner in this league. A lot like Rasul Douglas in Green Bay, a playmaker. We saw last week, heck, what that game could have been much different for Washington against Green Bay if they don't call back that strip sack that Rasul Douglas recovers and takes back for a touchdown. Very different. But this is the Colts defense. Not going to move the needle for anybody too much. You got big names into Forrest Buckner and Yannick and Gakwe. And, and Shaq Leonard, formerly known as, as Darius Leonard, changed his name this offseason. So, you know, the, the depth's going to be tested, I think, especially within the middle of the defense. If, if Shaquille Leonard isn't able to play the 100% of the snaps that he's used to playing even a few weeks ago, EJ Speed is a guy is, that plays that weak side behind Bobby Okariki. Uh, Byron Cowart is a guy that came over from New England that plays up front. So, their depth, guys, really as well, is limited. And this is a team that, with Chris Ballard as GM, has received a ton of flack over the last few years as far as what they've done in the draft, what they've done in free agency and trades to acquire players to continue to be successful in Indianapolis. And they really haven't. Now, they're 500 right now, but their offense 100% is much better from a talent perspective than it is on defense. So that is the Indianapolis Colts. Again, 3-3-1. Three, three and one. They've won two of their last three games. Hasn't been pretty, kind of like it's been in Washington following a Thursday night win over Chicago and win, obviously, last week at home against Green Bay. Has not been pretty, but they have won three games. And this is a huge week for them, obviously, with the Titans kind of catching momentum here and catching fire, winning their last few games, and now the leaders of the AFC South. Biggest thing, though, Sam Ellinger at quarterback. This is something that they're obviously going to ride with for the regular season. Behind him at quarterback is Nick Foles, a familiar name that continues like a cockroach. You can't get rid of him. Nick Foles just goes from team to team to team. Everyone obviously still remembers that 2017 playoff run that he had with the Eagles. We let him do a Super Bowl. But he's just like a cockroach. You, you, you can't get rid of Nick Foles. Everywhere you look, he's somewhere. He's a lot like Chase Daniel, still in the league. Chad Henney, still in the league. These guys are just hanging around for so long. But the presence of a high-level backup quarterback with these veterans in this league, a lot like Taylor Heineke in Washington, they matter and they mean something for teams. A lot like even John Wolford in St. Louis behind Matt Stafford. Not the craziest talents in the world, but they understand the offense. That's what Sam Ellinger is for this team. And we will see how dynamic he is and how dynamic Washington allows him to be in defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio's game plan of what they do on defense to counter his ability to move outside the pocket. Because from an athletic standpoint, again, a lot like Heineke compared to Wentz, with Ellinger compared to Matt Ryan, where Matt Ryan is more of that guy that wants to beat you between the ears and understand what you're doing post-snap and pre-snap. Sam Ellinger can drop back, sees a crease, he's going to take off. And not just to run but keep his eyes downfield, have those linebackers creep up, dump it over your head for a quick 15-yard gain in one of those tight ends that I just mentioned in Moali Cox or Granson or Jelani Woods. So it's going to be on Washington's linebackers again. Stay 
neutral, stay disciplined at that second level. Don't allow Sam Ellinger to get momentum to where they're pounding Jonathan Taylor. They're hitting Alec Pierce for deep shots. Michael Pittman gets going to where he has a 10 reception game for 100 plus yards. Can't have that this week. But it starts up front with defending Sam Ellinger outside of the pocket and obviously limiting Jonathan Taylor. You're not going to stop him. Very similar with Derrick Henry, the game plan that they had for Tennessee. You're not going to stop him. But you have to try to limit him. Keep him under 100 yards. Yards per carry, keep it around that three and a half, four yards a carry. And try as best as you can to keep the guy out of the end zone. I know it's, it's easier said than done. It's going to be a test this week. But that's where the game will be won and lost this week with stopping Jonathan Taylor and limiting off-script plays for Sam Ellinger. So that's going to do it for today's episode. I always appreciate you guys tuning in. If you don't already, I'm on Twitter, underscore Ryan Fowler. All my written work is housed at thedraftnetwork.com. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. Enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy the college football slate on Saturday. Big matchups across college football. Obviously headlined by Ohio State heading in to Beaver Stadium to face top 15 ranked Penn State. That's going to be a huge matchup to watch with C.J. Stroud and the names Penn State has on their defense. Joey Porter on the outside facing Marvin Harrison Jr. Nick Singleton and Catron Allen in the backfield for Penn State facing Zach Harrison. There's a lot of matchups to look at in that game. I hope you guys are able to tune into that one at noon on Saturday at Penn State with the whiteout. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. But enjoy your weekend. And Sunday, 425. All of our games so far, either it's been Thursday night, it's been 1 o'clock. So it's 425 in Indianapolis. A massive week for Washington to get back to 500 football within eight games, which will be humongous. As obviously next week, we got a familiar face coming to town. Mr. Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, and the Minnesota Vikings come to FedEx Field next week in week nine. So as always, appreciate you guys tuning in. I will talk to you on Monday morning, recapping Washington's hopefully third straight win to get back to four and four against the Indianapolis Colts with Sam Ellinger leading the charge for Indianapolis and Taylor Heineke in week two of his campaign as Washington starter and the leader of Scott Turner's offense. So as always, appreciate you guys tuning in. I'll talk to you on Monday. I'm Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network, and this is Commanding the Huddle. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.